So today, if you're taking notes, we're going to talk about getting our praise on. Get your praise on. Tell the person next to you, get your praise on. Tell the person on the other side, it's time to get your praise on. That was beautiful praise and worship. It sounds like you've already got your praise on. Amen. So we need, as believers, we need to bring our praise and worship to the Lord daily because he's worthy of it. Also, weekly, when we come together like this, that's corporate praise and worship. It is good for us to do this because we have been made to worship God. We were hardwired by God to bring him thanks and praise and worship. And it helps us, it lifts us when we praise the Lord. And we are so blessed to have an amazing band, so well led by Joe and all the singers and the worship leaders. Give them a hand to help us do that. Amen. And we've got incredible songs like those four songs we just sang. We are so blessed. Who remembers the 80s when the songs were a little bit different? Alan referred to one last week, which was, you'd be standing there innocently in church, and the pastor would say, now, take the hand of the person next to you. And you'd think, not the hand, not the hand. And then you'd think, not the eyes, not the eyes, and turn and look into their eyes. And then we had to sing the song that he was referring to last week. You had to look into someone's eyes and sing I love you with the love of the Lord, which basically means without God, I'd hate your guts. <laughs> but anyway, whether it was a visitor or not, you had to sing into their, look into their eyes and sing. We also had some other songs in the 80s, which were interesting. I just got saved in the late 80s. I walked into church. I didn't know what was happening. And we had songs like that one about joy. If you want joy, you must sing for it. Who remembers that one? If you want joy, you must sing for it. And then there was this whole verse. There was a whole verse where you had to laugh and tune. So I'm serious. We did this in church. And then there was my favorite, another one about joy. Joy is a flag flown high from the castle of my heart. Um, come on, from the castle of my heart. Joy is a flag flown high from the castle of my heart. For the king is... Get your hankies out! Let it fly in the sky. Let the whole world burn. Okay. Now that would not fly in our COVID modern era. Getting your hanky out. Now young people are hanky as we're old people. Keep all their germs in their pockets. Okay, confession time. Who's actually got a hanky in their pocket right now? Come on, show us. Look. No one on this side. No one. I'm just glad we have the songs we have now. Praise God. So I'm go we're going to look at four scriptures about praise today. Psalm 150. The Psalms are the songbook of Israel, written by David and a few other guys. Verse 6, Psalm 150, and we sing a song about this, and we're going to sing another song about this soon. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Is that you this morning? Do you have breath? Breathe on the person beside you right now and say, <sighs> that's me. 
I have breath. That's, that's animals. That's creatures. Everything with breath. That's a big category right there. Doesn't say if you've had a good week. Praise the Lord. Doesn't say if you won the rugby. Although I'm sure you are. Praise the Lord. It's just all you have to do to qualify is have breath. That's all of us. God is big on praise and worship. It's all through the Bible. Do you know if we don't worship the Lord, we will end up worshiping something or someone. We do this at sports games, concerts. Back in the day, we get our lighters out. Now you get your phones out. And we lift our hands in concerts and, and sports games, but a lot often in concerts, we lift, people lift their hands and sing. It's almost like a worship service. But animals, even though they have breath, <laughs> they can praise the Lord. They can't worship, though, because they don't have a spirit. Only people can worship because only people have a spirit like God does because only people, us, are made in his image. Have you ever seen your dog lift his paws? <laughs> and howl and worship? No, I don't think so. I haven't either. And I'm from a farm. I've seen a lot of animals do a lot of things. It was all birth, death, and sex on the farm. That's what, all that happened with the animals. Animals don't worship, but people groups all over the world, past and present, have always worshipped some kind of God. Because that's how we have been designed, to bring and give our praise to the Lord. Here's my main verse from the New Testament, Luke 19. It's the triumphal entry. Luke 19, 37 to 40. So they're coming into Jerusalem, Jesus and all the disciples and the crowds with him. Pick it up, verse 37 in the NIV. When he came near the place where the road goes down to the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, Jesus replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. The stones will cry out. If we, the disciples of Christ, don't praise him, then all of creation is going to rise up and do it for us. And I don't know about you, but I do not want to be outdone. I do not want a stone doing my job of praising my God. I don't want to be outdone and praised by some rock. We have been redeemed. So only we can sing the song of the redeemed. Angels haven't been redeemed. They can't sing it. They were never sinners. We were. We were sinners and now we're saved. We were lost and now we're found. We were dead, but now we're alive. So only we can sing the song of the redeemed. And Psalm 107 says, has the Lord redeemed you? Then say so. We've got to sing it out. Sing out what he's done for us. Now, notice in that passage, it was in the scripture, it was the Pharisees who tried to stop the people praising God. In other gospels, it talks about the children crying out. And we've got to be more like children, free. You know, the Pharisees had a religious spirit. Religious spirits don't like praise. They want people to be to conform and be dignified and stay in the rows, stay in the lines. And if we see someone else praising God more exuberantly than we do, we can sometimes think, look at them, exhibitionism. Oh, 
We must never have that attitude. We must never tell anyone off for praising God wildly. David did this. He praised God wildly in his undies or in his little linen thing, jumping and leaping around. And his wife, Michal, looked out the window and criticized him, despised him in her heart. Don't be that girl. She lost her fruitfulness right there. She didn't have any children after that, whether that's because David didn't uh, sleep with her again or whether because she was barren, but that's not a great attitude to have. It's a pharisaical religious spirit that would criticize someone else. And if we see someone praising God in a manner that we deem to be excessive, then maybe they just love Jesus more than we do. Jesus said, he who is forgiven much loves much. God has given us everything. So we need to give him all our praise. And sometimes we hold back on our praise because we're worried about how we'll look. Because we want to be sophisticated and we want to look cool. And so we don't want to raise our hands too much, you know. So we just do carry the TV and we just sort of subtle. Our hands could be going in our pockets or they could just be. But the Lord wants us to just break out, you know, and go widescreen. That's what he's wanting. Or you could go all out and wash the windows. And you could get your hanky involved. No, don't do that. Don't do that. You people with your hankies, keep them in the pocket. Let's never be too cool to praise God with freedom and loudness and our whole body and dance. You don't have to stay in those rows. It's always a worry to me when people can go to a wedding or some 21st where there's a band and break out on their moves, but in, in church they can't break out any moves for the Lord. Who are we getting excited for? Who are we getting excited about? We've got to break out those moves for the Lord. We've got to praise Him with our whole being, our body, soul, and spirit. We need to give Him all our praise. We've got to come to Him like a child free. Now, we live on earth here in the natural realm. But the spirit realm is just as real. It's just invisible and we can't see it yet. The spirit realm is where God lives. And it's going to outlast the natural realm. And we're going to live in the spirit realm for eternity, forever, with God. So we'd better start getting acquainted with the spirit realm now. And when we praise and worship the Lord, we are actually accessing the spirit realm and coming before the throne room of God. We're actually being transported out of our natural realm and into another dimension, the realm of the Spirit. And what happens then is a shift, and we get a new perspective. We get God's perspective. This is why it's so important for us to be in this, like you are, I'm talking to the choir, I'm preaching to the converted because you're here, in the praise and worship every week. This 20, 25 minutes of corporate praise and worship we have here each week is vital for us because our spirit needs to access the spirit realm and soak up that presence of God that falls on us in the corporate worship. We need this. Our spirit craves it. And it's a hugely important part of our week. We need to come here every week and forget the cares of the week and work and school and our pressures and business and just lift our hands in the presence of God. And as we're doing that, we're saying, Jesus, you are Lord. You're Lord over all of this. You're bigger than all of this. Praising God lifts us up above our problems and our circumstances. The first two songs at church are the praise loud, fast songs. And it's important. 
We're here for those. We need to loudly declare God's praise before we enter worship. The first two songs are a vital part of the process. Don't ever think, oh, it's just the first two songs. I'll stay in the atrium and talk to my friend as I wait for my coffee or, or oh, it doesn't matter. I don't need to be there till 9.40. It's just the first two songs. It doesn't matter if I miss them. It matters. Praise proclaims and declares the power and the goodness of God. And the praise songs are what breaks through. We punch through the natural realm into the realm of the spirit. And then we're in the atmosphere of God's presence, which is like anesthetic to us. It's important. The devil wants you to drift into church late and missing the first half, half of the praise and worship. He's trying to rob us every week. He knows how much harder then it is for you and me to break through the natural realm full of distractions into the realm of the spirit. And I'll tell you what happens. If you're, if you're late or you're missing half the praise and worship or you're still out in the atrium and you come in late, then there's no seats left at the front. And you have to sit at the back. Tell you what, it's a different meeting at the back to the front. At the back, there's so many bad haircuts between you and the front. It's distracting. There's people texting. There's people you think, why is he sitting by her? What's going on? What's going down? So many distractions. And, and, and not only that, you're feeling rushed and stressed and you're still puffing because you had to park halfway down Otsumoto Road because there were no car parks left by 9.35. And you missed your $3 flat white at the atrium, the bargain of the week, because they stopped the orders before church starts. So now you're flustered, puffed, and uncaffeinated. We've got to come to church early to praise him, ready to praise him with that praise on. You know what, if you find Sunday mornings particularly hard because you like to sleep in, and this is all of us because we work hard during the week, here's a hint, get up earlier. Look, I've solved all the problems right there. But so often, I know I live in the real world, what happens, we don't set the alarm and we all sleep in and we're running around like a thing possessed, yelling at the kids, hurry up, get dressed, get your shoes on, get your cornflake, eat the cornflake, brush your teeth, get in the car right now, come on, we've got to get to church so we can worship God. <laughs> we've, got to, we've got to not only bring our tithes and offerings to the Lord, we've got to bring our offering of praise. And when we open our mouths and sing out and shout out how good God is, we are declaring the Lordship of Jesus over our lives. We're declaring the goodness of God in us and on us. We're reminding ourselves who He is, what He has done, because our praise to the Lord is spiritual warfare. And this is the secret weapon that God has given us. Praise is the very gateway into the presence of God. And praise is never passive. Praise is always loud and bold. Well, some people think, well, I'm not a rocker. I like the quiet songs. Well, at Psalm 150, as we read before, the whole thing, if you read it, God tells us to play it loud. He specifically instructs the drummer to play loud, which is great. Well, the drummer's said. <laughs> and we have earplugs at the info desk at the back. You can just ask us free. We have little earmuffs for babies too. And if it's not loud enough, for you. You can try a night service because it's slightly louder there. We do know in the Old Testament, the muses and singers would often go out to battle first, leading the way before the soldiers, armed only with a tambourine. This was a strategy from God. 
Now, why did they send the band out first? Was it because no one liked the band and they wanted them to be killed off first? Possibly, but probably not. I think it was because Israel recognized they were the Lord's army and they needed his help. And they knew it was a spiritual battle. Sometimes they were outnumbered two to one or more. They knew the power of praise would bring the presence of God down to be with them. They understood that praise is a powerful spiritual weapon. Now back to the issue of trying to get here on Sundays <laughs> with a sense of serenity. Um, we live in the real world and we've brought up four kids. Hands up if you've got kids. Okay, we all know what we're talking about here. It, we know it's hard. It's a battle. Trying to get out the door with the whole family before 930 and the enemy is trying to block you every way. And there are some practical things we can do to take the stress out of Sunday morning and make it run smoothly, to get here early, smiling, calm, serene, caffeinated like a real Christian, ready to praise God by the time the first song starts. Okay, so one thing we can do is we can decide the day before that we're going to church. Don't wake up on Sunday morning and see how you feel. You know, the devil will make sure you sleep in. He'll make sure you wake up with a baby hangover if you've had a baby screaming all night. He will make sure that you don't get here, that you have an argument with your spouse. Decide ahead of time, I'm a Christian. Christians go to church. Even a sinner will tell you that. I'm a Christian. I will go to church and I will praise the Lord. That's a good decision right there. So you set your alarm. That's spiritual. Setting your alarm. You don't just see if you wake up in time. You make a decision. You have conviction because God can use people with conviction. Amen? You make a decision ahead of time. You set your alarm and you set it 15 minutes earlier than you need to. This takes the rush out of the morning so you can get ready in peace. And you can even aim to get to church 15 minutes earlier than you need to, like 9.15. Then, even if you're running five minutes late, you're still 10 minutes early. Isn't that awesome? And you'll be here in time to get a seat at the front and to get your coffee and to get your kids registered and to talk to visitors because visitors turn up on time. Another idea you can do is choose your clothes the night before. Check out the weather app, what's going to be. If you've got kids, get them to choose theirs. This avoids the dreaded clothing crisis. Like when it's 9 a.m. on Sunday and you're frantically going through your wardrobe and your drawers and, and trying on a series of summery outfits that you haven't worn for six months, only to discover that you're too fat for them all. I hate that winter wardrobe shrinkage. And you're thinking, there's all these rolls. I know what, I'll just dress it up with a bit of jewelry. I'll accessorize. You're looking for that giant necklace. You find the biggest scarf you can. You're swathed in fabric like a giant bed sheet. We've got to avoid the dreaded clothing crisis. Sort out your clothes the night before. Iron the shirt, the whole deal, the night before. If your kids are little, choose their clothes for them. What I used to do is I'd put two things out so they feel like they've got choice, but really they're only choosing between two appropriate things. If it's winter, put all the summer clothes away in a box so they don't come out wearing a strapless little number. And it's winter. So anyway, this is not a parenting seminar. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 and it stops fights as well. Where's my jacket? She's got my shoes kind of fights. Even your husband, where's my socks? Have you tried your sock drawer, dear? 
I always set the breakfast stuff out the night before. <laughs> I do this every night. Um, and then all you have to do, if you've had a, a bad night with a screaming baby and you've got a baby hangover, is all you've got to do in the morning is stumble to the fridge, get the milk out and pour. Because it's all there. And so it saves time. And it keeps you calm. Get your offerings sorted the night before if you're not on an automatic payment. Get the kids to get their tithes and offerings ready the night before. So you're teaching your kids to prepare to come and meet with God. Then as soon as you wake up in the morning, you put the praise and worship on. Put it on Alexa or on your phone or something on the device. Then the atmosphere is in your home of praise right from the start of the day. And you're teaching your kids to praise the Lord. It affects us as parents. It affects the atmosphere. Your kids will end up singing along and praising God too. They will be transformed miraculously from little brats into singing cherub angels. Singing angelic cherubs. I know I'm transformed when I put the praise and worship music on in the morning. I go very quickly from grumpy old cow to worship woman, which is a bit like Wonder Woman, but only different. You know, we can do this daily and send our kids off to school with a song of praise in their hearts and on their lips. Do you know, we disciple our children in this. We've got to disciple our children, not only in reading the word every day, but in praise and worship. And it's more caught than taught. They watch us doing it. They watch us praising the Lord, whether it's rainy or sunny, whether it's cold or hot, whether it's a day off or a work day. We've got to be consistent in modeling this. We've got to teach our children how to be happy. This is a choice. We've got to teach them how to praise the Lord no matter what. Then on the way to church, have the praise and worship playing in the car. So you're already praising him when you get here. And I've said before, Alan and I have worked out the way, some of you heard me say this, to avoid the marital argument on the way to church. It works every time. You take two different cars, hallelujah, and you will never have another fight on the way to church ever again. But you know, if we can get here early and we are praising the Lord already when we get here, the poor worship leaders up here don't have to try and work you up into a frenzy of praise because you're already there. You've already got your praise on. You've already brought your praise game. You've hit the ground running, baby. Come on. Getting the fam to the house of God each week is really important because singing praises to the Lord lifts our spirit and actually reinforces our belief in him. Some people might say, well, I'm not much of a singer. I'm a word man. I like the word. You may not be much of a singer, but the Lord still wants you to use your voice your instrument, your voice, to declare his praise. And music is a very powerful medium. Now, we need to be careful of what we listen to because music will take us somewhere. Music is a very strong carrier of memory. It can trigger nostalgia. I remember the album that Alan and I fell in love to, Stephen Bell Booth in 1991, and all those songs. And we'd spend hours gazing into each other's eyes while Stephen Bell Booth was playing. If I hear a Stephen Bell Booth song, I'm back there. Anyway, <laughs> keep going, keep going. Lyrics are laid down in our brain forever, imprinted there by music. Just try getting rid of them. That's why teachers put things like the alphabet in the times table or to music or chanting, because it helps us remember it. But the question I have for each of us today, myself included, is where is the music that you listen to taking you? Because it is taking you somewhere. Is it taking you into the presence of God? Or is it taking you back in time to your sad, broken hearted, failed love affair? 
You picked a fine time to leave me, Lucille. <laughs> there are some things in this world that are just wrong, and country and western is one of them. <laughs> Tell the person next to you, get your praise on. <laughs> There's a lot of music for me that's not helpful for me to listen to, especially if it's from the 80s and my pre-Jesus party days. Those songs bring me back memories of where I was, what I was doing, and who I was doing it with. Not helpful to me now. I don't want to look backwards into the past. I want to go forward with Jesus into where God is taking me. Now, am I saying, no, you can't listen to non-Christian music? No, of course I'm not. But what I am saying is let's evaluate what we listen to and where it's taking us. Let's ask the Holy Spirit about it. Let's not be naive here. We know who Satan used to be before he became Satan. Twice in the Bible, Isaiah 14, if you want to read it for homework, Ezekiel 28 talks about Lucifer, the archangel who used to lead the praise and worship in heaven. He used to be in charge of music, but he got proud because he was so beautiful and maybe he sounded so good. So he got kicked out for rebellion and took a third of the angels with him. But the good news is the angels outnumber the demons two to one. One of the verses in those two chapters here talks about the workmanship referring to Lucifer, the workmanship of your timbrels and pipes. I'm pretty sure that's in the King James. Some biblical scholars believe that these instruments were actually part of Lucifer's being. He didn't just make music, he was music. So anyway, we know that Satan knows music. Just have to listen to country and western, you get a witness right there. No, no sorry. <laughs> I grew up inundated with country and western because my parents were into it and I still can't get it out. I've had freedom prayers that's still stuck. And <laughs> the enemy knows how to use music. Let's not let the enemy brainwash us with his lies through the media, through the radio, through Spotify. Let's notice what music the Holy Spirit does and doesn't like, as well as country and western. Let's have a look, you know. And you'll be listening to something and you'll feel him going, nah. As you're driving along in your car, listening to the radio. So then you'll flick over to Life FM or Rima and your spirit will jump inside. And you know he likes it. That's what he's into. We've got to take notice of his promptings. When we override the voice of the Holy Spirit in us, we are quenching him. We are grieving him. We're actually shutting him down from operating in our lives. We need to heed and listen to his promptings because we want him to be with us. We don't want him to go, you're going to listen to that, I'm out of here. We want him with us. You know, sometimes we can listen to a song or watch a movie and, and we start to feel uncomfortable. Oh, like what have I eaten? Have I got indigestion? And, and then we realize, oh, it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. Oh, Lord, you don't like this song? You don't like this movie? Okay, so you turn off the radio. You turn off your, your phone, your computer, your device. You walk out of the movie theater. Here's a good rule I have. Don't watch or listen to anything that you know will require you to get prayer afterwards. That's a good rule. So we need to get smart here, and we need to be aware of the enemy's devices. We need to be deliberate about this and strategic. Let's use music to take us where we want to go, into God's presence. You know, the devil hates listening to you and I praising God. He's like, oh, no. He hates it. Now, we have to make a decision to praise God. And as we do, the devil's not going to stick around for it. He'll be out of there. 
Sometimes we can think, well, I've had a sucky week and we just lost to rugby and I don't feel like praising God. I don't feel like it. But our feelings are in the soul realm. Our soul needs to submit to our spirit. Remember, like in cleansing streams, it's spirit, then soul, then body. The world puts it on its head, body, soul, spirit. But it's spirit. We live out of our spirit. Then our soul, which is our mind, our thoughts and our emotions, our feelings. And lastly, our body. And that's all submitted to the Holy Spirit. So we need to live out of our spirit. Our spirit always wants to praise God. If we live out of our feelings, we are immature Christians. If we live out of our feelings, we won't be probably employed very long because we won't feel like going to work and we'll just stay home and get fired. If we live out of our feelings, we won't stay married for very long because we'll get sick of our spouse and we'll tell them where to go. We can't live out of our feelings. Children live out of their feelings, but we're called to be adult, mature Christians. Maturity is living in alignment, submitted to the Holy Spirit, living out of your spirit. We've got to obey the leading of the Holy Spirit and let our spirit make decisions like, hey, I'm going to come to church. I'm going to worship God. I'm going to be there early. I'm going to get my praise on. And I'm not only going to get myself there, I'm going to bring my spouse and my kids, all of us in the car with our praise on, ready to go. Here's another verse, Psalm 22, verse 3. The King James, you're holy. I've taken the vows out of it. You are holy. You who inhabit the praises of Israel. So when we praise God, He comes and inhabits our praises. The NIV says he is enthroned on our praises. So when we choose to praise God, when we do, the heaviness leaves, the darkness leaves. It has to leave because God comes with his presence and inhabits our praises. He's here. There's nothing like praise to get the devil out of the room. There's nothing like praise to lift us up above our sucky feelings, above our circumstances that are high pressure, and into the timeless presence of God. The presence of God is always there. We've just got to break through the clouds and get up to the sun and the blue sky. Get up into the presence of God. Break through our circumstances and get into his presence. It is so easy for our minds to spiral down and descend into negativity. We have to arrest the self-negative talk, self-talk we have by starting to praise the Lord. I know Pastor Phil Pringle does this. He says every morning before his feet hit the floor when he gets out of bed, he's saying, I can do all this through Christ who gives me strength. Praise the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Praise, bless his holy name. We've got to start our day with that. Not start in neutral, start and drive. Start going forward and praising the Lord. It lifts us. Praising God is a fantastic way to start your prayer time every day. Just start by praising Him. I start by praising Him and thanking Him and praying in tongues. And and I try and leave my guitar in tune. It's always on a stand, not away in a case under a bed. So I can just grab it and sing praise to God at any time. Or I just put my phone on. Or I'll just have a clunk on the piano, even though it sounds terrible because I can hardly play anything. But God doesn't mind if no one else is around. God loves our praise. You can just sing out. You don't even need any instruments. Here's another psalm, 116 verse 17. In the New King James, it says, I will offer to you the sacrifice of thanksgiving, the sacrifice of praise in other versions, and I will call on the name of the Lord. If the band could join me, please. You know, what about when giving praise to God is hard? What about when it's a sacrifice? Because you're just not feeling it. Just lost the World Cup, man. 
You know, it's easy to praise God when you've won the game, when you've just got an excellence in your exam, when it's the summer holidays. It's easy to praise God when you've got a promotion and a pay rise at work. But what about when you've been evicted? What about when your girlfriend's just dumped you? What about when it's not all going swimmingly? The Lord is highly interested in the response of our heart at that moment when we're in pain. And I want to tell you today, the most beautiful praise you and I will ever give to God is when everything is going wrong in your life and you're still praising him. You're still thanking him. You're still trusting him. You're saying, God, I don't know what's going on, but I trust you. I know that in all this, you will work all things together for good for those who love God. I know you're on the throne. I give you praise. Why so downcast on my soul? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. We can still praise God because it's not about us and what's happening in our lives. It's all about him. And he is always good, no matter what's going on for us no matter what is happening in our lives. And when we praise the Lord, it decentralizes us and it centralizes Him. It keeps Him on the throne of our hearts. There's an old book that's all about praise. Such a great book, I love it. I read it, I think it was a year ago, by Merlin Carruthers, From Prison to Praise. Who's read that book? Yeah, this side, not that side. The ones with the hankies, come on. He said in the book, praise is the highest form of communion with God. It releases a great deal of power into our lives. Praising Him is not something we do because we feel good. Rather, it is an act of obedience. And one of the signs of spiritual maturity is when we can praise God no matter what is going on in our world. You can be having your worst day. You can be in physical pain, emotional anguish. Yes, you're praying for help. Yes, you're crying out to God, but you're also saying, I trust you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You're with me. Thank you, Lord, for your peace. You're good. You're strong. You're worthy. Or we can think, well, if God does something nice for me, I'll praise Him. If I feel like it, I'll praise Him. When we praise God, when we feel like it or not, we are doing battle in the heavenly realms and the devil will flee right there. He will flee right there. I know when I faced a scary situation a few years ago and I'd never faced anything like this before and I did not know what to do. So I called out to God, but the Holy Spirit was right there. He was so right there with me and helping me. And I was so grateful and he coached me through it. And the first thing he said was, don't go into grief. And then he gave me four faith scriptures to pray and declare every day. And I put the people's names into them to personalize them. And then he gave me a song of praise. It wasn't like a song I made up. It was a song that was on a Bethel album at the time. It had just been released. And I have found since then, if I'm ever going through a hard time, the Lord will give me a song, like a a relevant praise and worship song from the time that will help me through that time. And If I had gone into grief, the battle would have been lost before it had started. Because you can go into grief and self-pity, or you can stay in faith. Now, I'm not saying don't grieve. Grief is important But when there's loss. But in this situation, 
it wasn't done, it wasn't resolved. And the temptation was to assume it's going to be bad, so I'll go into grief ahead of time. And God said, no, don't go there. We're not there yet. Don't go into grief. He gave me a strategy of praising Him by proclaiming aloud these faith scriptures with the names of people and prophesying the outcome and singing this praise song. As I sang it, peace will come into me. As I sang it, it was like I was proclaiming and declaring His presence over this situation. Peace came into me. Healing came into me. This is what happens when we praise our God. Let's stand this morning. Are you ready to get your praise on? We've got to learn to use this voice as a weapon of our warfare by lifting it to praise God, whether we feel like it or we don't. I'm going to ask you right now to take a step of faith by moving out of your seat. We want to fill this place up the front here. I want you to move into the aisles or out the sides. We're going to take a step of faith to say, Lord, I'm moving out from my normal religious rows. I'm moving out of my normal spot. I'm moving into praise. I'm getting my praise on. Why don't you take a few steps right now and do that? Move out from the seat. Move out the front. Move into the sides, the aisles. Come on, there's more space up here. There's more space up here. And let's lift our hands. Oh, there's more room up here. That's it. Keep coming forward. Keep coming forward. Let's lift our hands right now. Father, right now we say whatever is going on in our lives, good, bad or ugly, we enthrone you in our praise. We enthrone you in our hearts. We enthrone you right now. Thank you. You're going to come and inhabit our praise. You are bigger than anything on this earth. And we are going to be with you forever and ever and ever. After this short life is over, we will be praising you in eternity. Teach us how to do that right now. Lord, loose the spirit of praise over our church, over people who are here and who aren't, over north, over coast, over nights, over the kids. In Jesus' name.